welcome to Street Level Theology. I'm Gabriel Medina. And I'm Eric Cobb. In this podcast, we talk about topics through a biblical lens to help us live the life God calls us to live. We hope and pray that this podcast will encourage you in your obedience to God for His glory. Eric, what's up? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. For us recording today, I was thinking about a song. It's a rap song. I knew we grew up in different cultures, but it's a <laughs> it's a mid '90s song by a guy named Skilo. Hmm. It says, "I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a '64 Impala." And nice. the reason why, yeah, the reason why I say this is because I think everybody can relate to the song not so much what he wants mm-hmm. but that all of us are wishing for something mm-hmm. you know it's probably a corny way to start but i think it sums up the whole song is just about him wishing and wanting yeah. and desiring and how many of us just are constantly desiring things all day mm-hmm. every day and how unhealthy that is yeah and so i wanted to start with that quote and then also go into exodus Chapter 20, verse 17. It's the 10th commandment. So it says, Exodus 20, verse 17, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. So you shall not covet. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be good to talk today about coveting in general and then also the problem that underlies in coveting which is i would say contentment Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts just off the top thoughts on coveting i think it's a huge thing i think if we really thought about it we do it a lot and a lot of the desires that we have for things that that we don't have the kind of things that we feel like we would need to really be happy we got those ideas from seeing them possessed by someone else. So there's people around us, they have certain things. We think if we had those, we would be happy. But the scriptures really speak to the fact that uh, the issues are heart. The issue isn't the things we have. You know, the issue is in our circumstances. The issue is, is our heart and what our heart's finding its, uh, its joy and its peace and its happiness in. Yeah, I was thinking... It's weird because back in the day, you know, when this commandment was given, Mm -hmm. you know, if they saw something their neighbor had, let's say it was a blanket that somebody sewed or knitted, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. however they made things back then, (laughs) and they wanted it, Mm -hmm. they couldn't just go out and get it. It would maybe even cause them to maybe steal or they would Mm -hmm. feel that desire a lot more. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was thinking about it a lot today where, if we see somebody that has something we want, mm-hmm. we might not have that desire that and see the sinful effects of coveting as bad because we can quickly go on our phones and get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're talking about smaller things that we might just be able to quickly buy them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. like, yeah, because it says you shall not covet your neighbor's house or even that. Mm-hmm. Like if we see somebody who has a house we want. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could literally go out and shop online right now for mm-hmm. a house. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zillow is blowing up mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with people desiring the house that they want. Mm-hmm. 
and we can get it as long as we have the money. Yeah. Or we can spend time shopping for something, whether we get it or not, and just spend some time desiring it, right? Yeah. Spend some time coveting. Even if the purchase doesn't get made, we can go online and look for things that we think are going to make us happier. And, and the issue of covetousness is that, you know, it really shows what we, what we desire, what we really want, what we really think is going to make us happy. Because when we talk about the opposite of it, which is contentment, contentment always has an object. You know, when we think of not being covetous, the positive thing would be to be content, right? Yeah. But Christian contentment isn't just not having desires for anything. Yeah, that's more of yeah. a Buddhist way of thinking that, you know, if you'd be happy, you'd have peace. If you just were able to make sure that you had no attachments, no desires, you know, that you need to be freed from needing to have anything. But Christian contentment is really, it's a change of object, right? It's instead of desiring smaller, lower things, our object that we possess is God himself, you know, and that we find our satisfaction in his presence and power and sovereignty and wisdom and goodness. And so I think sometimes when we think about contentment, we think in a more Buddhist way that somehow, you know, that contentment's found in not having desires, but scripture is very realistic. Scripture's like, the problem isn't that you have desires. The problem is that you're trying to meet those desires in a really inferior way through the next purchase, you know, yeah, through the next relationship, through the next, experience through the next vacation you know that those are the things you're trying to fill a void with yeah so what would you say is a way to realize we're maybe being covetous or envious or you know kind of making a purchase because we are desiring it in a sinful way Mm -hmm. what would be some things we should be looking for you know it, it depends on the person but i mean there are some people and i have definitely been in this category before that you just can't go very long without making purchases, you know, and I'm not talking about food and necessities. I'm talking about just little things that you need to buy all the time. For some people, it's as simple as books or some sort of gadget or, you know, it's clothes or whatever it is. And you're always shopping and you're always making sure that little boxes are going to show up on your doorstep. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) you know, I went through a time a couple of years ago where, I was realizing that I needed something to either show up at my door or I needed to buy something like multiple times a week. And so what I ended up doing is I actually fasted for a time and just, yeah, I think it was like a month. I think I ended up doing two months, but at first it was a month. It was like, okay, I'm going to take a month. I'm not going to buy any books. I'm not going to buy any stuff. I'm not going to buy any gadgets. I'm going to completely fast from all purchases that aren't, you know, essentials. And it was pretty uh, revealing, you know, that sadness, boredom, you know, whatever would create a desire to purchase something. And the holding off from that was like difficult in the beginning. And it just showed me that I was trying to somehow find some happiness in things that I would get. And it required that I had to turn to the Lord for that. And the fact of the matter is we can find so much more joy in him than we can in anything we purchase or anything we possess. Yeah. It's funny because again, I go back to the time and the technology that we have back in the day, you know, even let's say 20 years ago, 
you know, you couldn't just go on a phone Mm -hmm. and buy something Mm -hmm. when you were at work. Right. And so you would have to spend a lot more time Mm -hmm. wanting it Mm -hmm. and knowing that it's not making you happy or it's Mm -hmm. making you sad since you don't have it. Mm -hmm. And then also you would have to spend a lot more time being away from your job, away from your work or away from your house. And it would look like more of a problem. Mm hmm. Yeah, but because yeah. now we can just buy it whenever, however, you know, mm-hmm. wherever it doesn't yeah. look like that big of a problem. Mm-hmm. And then I have noticed like some people will go, well, I'm buying it for my kids. I don't buy anything for myself. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it can't be bad or mm-hmm. sinful. Mm-hmm. But again, it's um, we might be somewhat addicted to constantly just having more mm-hmm. and also desiring what somebody else has like. Man, one way that I kind of think of it for myself is like if I'm having a problem, I would go, if I don't have this, am I going to be happy or am I going to be okay? I kind of think through that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing too is if I don't have this, am I like going to die? You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a dramatic way to think, but do I need this? Yeah. Okay. So why do I want it? Mm -hmm. And I kind of think through it that way and it's helpful. And same with our kids. Oh, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, Paul actually gave a list of things that we actually need. He said in First uh, Timothy 6, he said, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and cannot take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we should be content. Not, not to say he didn't do any other purchases or desire any other things, but he just brings it down to like, what do we really, really need? Yeah. And it isn't that many things, actually, that we really, really need. Yeah. And uh, it's a helpful exercise to, to think through that. Now, of course, the Lord's given us, you know, all sorts of other gifts and things just to enjoy and things that aren't necessarily needed. But, you know, how much are, are we attached to those things and how much do we need them? Yeah. I yeah, love, so oh, I was just going to say, I love that image that he says in that passage because he says, you know, we didn't bring anything into this world and we're not taking anything out. That's super helpful when you think about things like bigger things like, you know, having a house, which is a great blessing if you can buy a house, having a house, um, building up, you know, a retirement or different things like that. To do that thought experiment of like, I came in naked with nothing and I'm leaving with absolutely nothing. So I started with nothing. I'm ending with nothing. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me to go crazy in the middle. Yeah. Worrying about losing things that I am going to lose everything. I know that sounds a little depressing. Yeah. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose everything. You are going to lose everything. So you're literally going to lose it all. Why do you think we go so crazy in the middle? Well, I think that, you know, we put our hope and our trust in things other than the Lord, right? I mean, this is a very helpful experiment. Came with nothing, you're leaving with nothing. It's the same thing that Job said. It's kind of an echo of what Job said. I mean, contentment is that I trust in God's sovereignty. I trust in his goodness. And I trust in his wisdom. And I trust that no matter what comes that his power and provision are going to be enough. Yeah. So I could literally lose everything and know that God's 
power and his provision will be enough knowing that he's good and he's wise and he's in control. Yeah. That sounds like a really tough call, right? Like, man, that's a huge thing, but you know, what's really cool is Paul said that he actually learned how to do that. He says in Philippians four, he says, he's thanking them for the fact that they are supporting his ministry. And then he says, not that I'm speaking out of need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be in, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know in any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's really cool. So the thing I really like about that is he says, I've learned how to do this. <laughs> so it's yeah. not like Paul was born knowing how to do this. Not like the second he got converted, but he said he's learned how to, and it's discipleship. He's learned how in every situation to be content. Yeah. And I think a lot of us just don't even try to learn that. Mm-hmm. We just go about our business thinking it's normal. It's okay. And even good. Mm-hmm. to be such shoppers. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, maybe with the, you know, you come back to the shopping thing, like the everyday, like I just need a little hit of happiness. Yeah. So I'm going to buy something. Um, I need that little hit. It would be a good thing to resist that for a little while and see how the Lord might fill in those little holes in your, in your happiness, in your peace. Like yeah. if you were to go like, not that you need to never buy anything again, but you know, what, what about a fast? And then notice what happens. You're sitting there, you're bored. Maybe you're irritated. Maybe you're a little sad. You know, maybe you're just feeling kind of empty and you start scrolling looking for something to buy. Maybe, you know, if you took a few weeks and said, I'm not going to do that, you'd learn something. And I think Paul probably through a variety of means, he learned how to be content. He learned how to deal with his own soul. Like what's in there? Why is that so empty? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and just kind of going back to the the commandment, kind of going through some of the things that he says, you know, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. That's kind of, I think, what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. like the house or anything in mm-hmm. the ending. But I think it's funny how specific he gets. Like, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife mm-hmm. or his male servant. It's like his gadgets to do, you know, mm-hmm. yard work. <laughs> or his ox also yard work probably or his donkey like his car mm-hmm. you know his modern right. day car mm-hmm. and i was even thinking about it with our own hearts with social media you know with instagram i think a lot of us don't realize how much that even produces in us covetousness or envy and mm-hmm. seeing the perfect family mm-hmm. you know some of us might go like man their kids seem way more Mm well-behaved or their kids sleep through the night or man, they don't ever seem to have trials, but I do. Mm -hmm. And though they might not be literally desiring the husband or wife, Mm -hmm. but they might be desiring what they have, what they think they have, what they perceive to have because of what they push out on social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they don't want that person's kids but they'd like their kids to be act a little more like the other person's kids yeah that would be covetousness too yeah so what are your thoughts on that have you experienced that with social media at all yeah so when i used to have social media which i don't have now but when i did have it like the most common thing that i would probably be covetous of was people's vacations 
okay. their time off. Yeah. So, you know, you'd look, be scrolling through and you'd be like, man, does that dude ever work another trip? Like, where is he now? You know, like that kind of thing. Cause that's, you know, just shows the kind of things that I want. It wouldn't really be stuff and it wouldn't even be like people's family life necessarily. It would be, you know, more their experiences that they're getting to do things like that. Yeah. Um, but they do say, I mean, it's, it's a common known fact that social media does make people unhappy and that people are significantly more happy if they quit it in general. Yeah. And one of those things probably is the covetousness. There's also, yeah. you know, just being annoyed with people and the things that they believe and say and do. But there's also on the flip side, I'm sure, a good deal of covetousness, I think. Or, you know, even covetousness of people's relationships and experiences. They're out doing fun things. You yeah. know, thanks for the invite kind of situations, you know where yeah. people seem to be doing everything without you. And I think that can definitely be a, a thing that can make people covetous. Yeah, it's like keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. That's like, you got to be able to see what the Joneses have or are mm -hmm. doing to be able to mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, we have really kind of limited access to covet if we're not really there inside people's homes and seeing things and seeing things that they're doing. And social media definitely has brought a whole nother way to broadcast what you have yeah it's crazy like pinterest i mean mm -hmm. the endless amount of things that you could just covet and you want that pinterest house mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. pinterest decorations those pinterest mm -hmm. pictures it's crazy yeah watching home shows can do that you know home buying shows or home renovation shows those are the worst <laughs> and then you start looking at how much it costs you're like okay i need to squash this desire because I'm <laughs> yeah those are the worst. I hate when I'm at the doctor's office and that's what they're playing. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is great. Wow, when I get a house, I'm going to do that. It's like, no, I'm going to knock out a wall. I'm going to put in a fireplace, you know, <laughs> yeah. like all this stuff. And it's like, sure you are, man. Sure yeah. you are. So when can our desires be good? Like, let's say, let's take it to having a pool in our backyard, putting a pool in. Is that mm -hmm. an okay desire to have? Like, you don't have it now. Mm -hmm. You maybe have to put it on credit, take a loan out for it. Yeah. And yeah. What, what are your thoughts? When would that be sinful? When would that be okay? What are your thoughts mm -hmm. just off the top? Yeah. You know me, Gabe, you know, I'm really hesitant to like say specific people's life choices and things like that of what yeah, they buy. And, yeah. Like how expensive of a car is reasonable <laughs> and how yeah. big of a vacation is okay. Well, just tell me I'm sick. Can you have a pool? What size pool can you have? And, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't really have a desire to totally get into all that, but I, I know for myself what I would want to do. And, you know, if it's something that's putting me in significant debt, if it's something that's really going to strain my family's finances and it's not a need, then I'd say I really have to, wonder why I'm doing it. You know, you're talking about taking out a loan for a pool and stuff like that. I guess I'd wonder like, could you save for the pool? Is yeah. this a, is this something that's such a need that you put yourself in any kind of uh, financial strain to have? But I mean, I wouldn't want to legislate, you know, what people buy yeah. and what they get. I just think for myself, you know, for us, like, it, well, in our area, like a pool is not a super unreasonable thing to desire because it's 3 billion degrees here. And, <laughs> you, you know, when your kids, 
Well, I mean, in the middle of the summer, you're like, why are my kids always inside? They need to go outside and play. And yeah, it's like, well, it's they could time. literally die if they yeah. go outside and play, you know? So to have a pool doesn't seem like a crazy extravagant thing in our area. I mean, so. Yeah, you know, I like trying to trap you. <laughs> you do. You, you to, yeah. You know, should people, people ever do this? this? And yeah. I'm like, well, you know, like if it's, there's no command against pools in the Bible. So I can't say like people should not get pools. Well, yeah. One thing that I would think is, you know, I even think about it with the house because we're renting and we want to buy a house. And that's a desire that we have mm-hmm. one so that we can do things there that we can't do while renting. Mm-hmm. Two, that we can have a house that our kids can grow up in. Yeah. We can have more kids in. We can bless people mm-hmm. with all those things. Yeah. But I notice when it becomes bad is how often I'm looking at mm-hmm. a house or thinking yeah. about a house. How, yeah. how much uh, mental real mm-hmm. estate does it take mm-hmm. up throughout my day? And yeah, it goes up and down. That's something I consider a lot with myself. Like if I'm thinking about a particular purchase or whatever. Am I ready to make it? If I'm not ready to make it, should I really be spending tons of time thinking about it? And so I think that's incredibly important that we steward our time well. And for me to spend hours a day shopping for something I'm not ready to purchase or thinking about something that I don't have a place to act on right now is not great stewardship of my time. Yeah, because I just think about it. It's like, there's some of us, you know, like me included with the house, I'm not going to get one right now. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't even get one right now, but I'm just basically hurting myself <laughs> by desiring it, looking into it, you know, all those things. And mm-hmm. I have somebody I know real well, I bring up the pool thing, but desiring a pool mm-hmm. and not going to get one anytime soon, mm-hmm. but thinks about it all the time. Mm-hmm wants it really bad Mm -hmm. and just kind of killing themselves Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their spouse doesn't think they should. Okay. So literally just killing themselves. It's a huge red flag there. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be some unity on a purchase like that. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's causing division within the marriage over a purchase, if it's causing tons of time, if there's resentment building up, because your spouse is not cool with this proceeding, those would be red flags. In James 4, he says, you know, why do fights and why do quarrels occur among you? And the answer is really covetousness. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And I think that's really insightful passage. Like if there's a lot of quarreling and fighting about something, that's a good sign that there's some covetousness there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a great passage. Yeah, why do even fights start among you? Mm -hmm. Because you covet and cannot obtain it. Mm -hmm. And he says, ask. That's a good thing of wisdom is how about we take our desires to the Lord and let Mm -hmm. him speak into it? Because we might actually come to the realization through asking him, Mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't good for me, or I right. don't need this. Yeah. That's Maybe the I, Lord will provide it, you know? I mean, the Lord yeah. might provide it if it's a legitimate thing. Or we might, you know, go like, well, why don't you take it to the Lord? Like, ah, I can't really pray to the Lord about this particular desire. 
it's like, well, that's, that's a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if it's something you can like actually pray with a straight face to the Lord about, you know, that's your answer right there. But yeah, that's what he says. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. And then later he says, you do not get it because you want to spend it on your passion. So, you know, I definitely don't want people to get the impression that all desires for even luxuries are a bad thing. I could totally see very legitimate use of somebody getting a pool, you know, a good friend of ours. We've done tons of baptisms in that pool. We've, you know, yeah. had all kinds of great times with family and friends in, in his pool. And, you know, that's definitely something that seems like a really reasonable purchase and stuff. But yeah, one of our pastors. Yeah, that's him. Exactly. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, for we're, that calling pool. Him out. we're calling him out right now. <laughs> I thank God for that pool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, I know I've talked to a few friends in the past, like even when I used to do high school ministry, one of the guys, you know, is a man now, he's wife and kid. And he always challenges me on things about like vacation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cause I guess the way I talk about things, I sound really, really extreme. Mm -hmm. And as if I'm against, yeah. Okay. You do. So <laughs> you do sound that way sometimes. <laughs> That's why I try to balance these things. You yeah. Know, start like, okay, pool hater. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's bring that back a little bit. Yeah. I think it's funny because he'll ask me questions like, so you don't think anybody should go on a vacation? I'm like, whoa, when did I say that? <laughs> so I think that's a good clarification. It's like, yeah, we're not against mm -hmm. luxuries and stuff mm -hmm. like that. If God has given you the means and to me, a luxury might look a lot different to someone who makes triple the amount that i do mm -hmm. you know right. to them it's just everyday life spending mm -hmm. barely anything mm -hmm. to me i'm like wow what are they doing you know <laughs> that's why i got to be careful not to judge mm -hmm. i think that's huge yeah being careful not to judge yeah you know and we then, can only know the inside of our own hearts yeah god helping us i mean we need his help to do it but we can know the inside of our own hearts and what motivates us well and that's the thing too with coveting you don't even know how much that person that you're coveting his stuff makes, mm -hmm. you know, and you're trying to keep up with him mm -hmm. and you might be putting yourself in a bind, you know, financially, mm -hmm. all those things and yeah. just hurting yourself when he may maybe did it because he has enough. Mm -hmm. And now that desire is going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just being careful, I think even in that area. Yeah. But yeah, so, how can we start to grow? And I know you kind of said things along the mm -hmm. way, but how can we start to grow being satisfied in God? Because breaking this commandment is breaking the first commandment. You know, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. You shall not make for yourself an idol. Mm -hmm. So we're breaking the first commandment, not being mm -hmm. content in God. How can we stop being satisfied in just things, thinking that that's going to satisfy and mm -hmm. satisfy us? And how can we start to grow in our satisfaction of God, being okay with where he has us and what he's given us? Mm -hmm. I like that you made that connection because in Colossians 3, 5, Paul makes that exact connection. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he actually makes that connection that covetousness is idolatry. And so it, we would battle it the same way we would battle idolatry in general, you know? And so my go-to is, is that idols have symptoms. So if I am persistently embittered, if I'm persistently anxious, if I'm persistently, 
you know, resentful, angry, these kinds of negative emotions in covetousness would be one of them, then what am I desiring more than God? And, you know, when we boil down these things, we don't really want the things we want, whatever the thing's going to give us. Right. Yeah. There's something deeper than the thing. So we want things like we want pleasure. We want comfort. We want security. We want the approval of other people. Yeah. We We want want, to be better. Yeah. We want control. Like they're, it's more fundamental than, you just wanted the newest phone. Like you wanted something more than that. Yeah. And once again, I am not against the newest phone, but we need to examine our hearts. No, <laughs> <laughs> I have the newest phone. Um, so it, we need to think about like, what is the thing that we are trusting in? What is the thing we're hoping in? What is the thing that we're hoping to find life in? And then seeing that that's weak and it is weak. You know, there's this thing called the hedonic treadmill which is basically that like people return to their baseline level of happiness and we all know this you know when we get something when we acquire something that we think is totally going to change our lives that actually we return to our baseline level of happiness almost instantly you know after we get it you know and you know ecclesiastes talks about this saying like that those who love money will never be satisfied with money right or we go lower yeah. Or, or we might like, go lower. We, yeah. Yeah. Why did why, we do that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Because the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says like the one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. And then he says with more stuff comes more trouble, <laughs> you know? So yeah. like what you're saying, we might actually end up lower. So just to see that those fundamental things that we're craving, like the, the comfort and the, you know, the approval of others and the uh, control and all those things we crave, they're weak. They never really come through. Okay. And it's just not to say we should never make a purchase. There's good reasons to buy a house. There's good reasons to put in a pool. There's good reasons to upgrade your phone. You know, like there are good reasons for these things, but to realize it's not going to change your life. It's not going to bring you up 10 ticks of happiness. You're not getting a huge joy and peace and comfort uptick. It'll be nice. Like for you, I mean, you guys live in like 60 square feet. If you (laughs) had more space, it will be nice. The kids will be able to move around. You know, you could. Yeah, their you know, arms won't them... be out of the window as they sleep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Those kind of things. <laughs> like there's going to be pluses and it, it's going to make things better, but it's not going to revolutionize your life. I think that's the lie of any purchase is like, when I get this, everything's going to change, you know, and we might feel that way about stupid stuff like a new computer. I do like with tech things. I'm like, okay, this is going to change everything. It's not going to change everything, yeah. you know, because idols are weak. They can't do that. So make a purchase if you need it. Make a purchase if it's going to help you accomplish something. But don't expect your life to be revolutionized by a new car. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be an old car very soon. And so seeing the weakness of that and then seeing like, okay, what did I really want out of this? And how can I see that I actually have that in Christ? Yeah. Because all those things we have in Christ, I mean, you know, we have talk about comfort, talk about pleasure, talk about the approval of others. In Christ, we have the approval of God who created us. That's very significant. You know, that's everything. And so just, I think being realistic about the things we buy is that they don't make good idols. You know, they might be useful tools, but they're really not sufficient to worship, you know? Yeah, they're broken cisterns. They're not going to Totally, totally. Yeah, they're not built for that. yeah. Because I, I, I think whenever I'm making a purchase that I'm super emotionally invested in, 
I'm expecting life revolution. And that's what advertising tells us, right? I mean, it yeah. tells us like, this is changing everything. And it's just not, I'm going to be the same person with the same weaknesses and the same insecurities and the same discomforts and the same worries <laughs> as yeah. I was before. I'm be the same person. Yep. So just finding our contentment in him is, you know, trusting in God. God's in control. God is wise. God's good and where he has me. And no matter where he leads me or where he has me, I'm, he's, his power is going to be in me. His provision will be for me. So we don't have to find our joy in our circumstances. Find yeah, our joy in think, God. yeah. And I think even as we do that, the objects that we have and he has given us, mm-hmm. we actually enjoy them more. Yeah. Which I think is so strange because yeah, like, you're going to enjoy something way more if it, you didn't like invest it with like godlike responsibilities. Yeah. But it's weird <laughs> because you would think if you really want it to be satisfied and you're just going yeah. after it to yeah. really find joy in this, it would happen. Mm-hmm. But it's the total opposite. It's like when you go to find satisfaction, joy, mm-hmm. and pleasure in God, you'll actually enjoy what he's given you far greater. Yeah. And talking about my tiny house, it's only 700 square feet. We got three kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tiny. It is pretty mm-hmm. tiny. Mm-hmm. One time I said that to a guy, he's like, wow, you live in a shack? <laughs> like, okay, a little rude, but all right. <laughs> so have yeah, you seen yeah. those storage sheds they saw at Lowe's? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so it's two of those. <laughs> but man it was crazy we've been here for six years Mm -hmm. and the first three or four years we would go up and down you know enjoying it being Mm -hmm. thankful for it but Mm -hmm. then it's weird we were always thankful for it when no one was coming around Mm. we're always those outside eyes all of a sudden yeah and then we would invite we would invite somebody over Mm -hmm. and i would get extreme amount of social anxiety Mm -hmm. because we live in an area that you know, the roads aren't paved very well. We don't mm-hmm. have sidewalks. We don't have street lights, all these things. And you don't have law and, enforcement. You don't yeah. have, like the paramedics won't come there. Yeah. They're like, you live where where? Is this? Oh. Yeah. They're like, we don't deliver. I'm like, you guys are EMT, not Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> but it was crazy how we would not enjoy our house and we would actually hate our house. Mm when we would invite somebody over mm, interesting and yeah it was crazy and you know the last couple of years we've me and lydia both grown into a place where we really enjoy our house mm-hmm. this tiny little house mm-hmm. and i think it's because we've taken our eyes off desiring something else so much more yeah and you know I think it's because we've been here so long it's like oh mm-hmm. well, why are we still doing this mm-hmm. but man we enjoy this house a ton and this is where mm-hmm. we've raised are raising our little kids, you know, that's where we have mm-hmm. so many memories. And yeah. it is just crazy how when you satisfy yourself in God, mm-hmm. it makes everything you have so much better. Yeah. And you can have so much more joy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not expecting it to do something it wasn't designed to do. Yeah. You know, it's the same with relationships. If we're looking to our spouse or our kids or whatever to satisfy our you know, our deepest needs and to be everything for us. And they're not going to, we can enjoy them when we're finding that in God. And then they're freed up to just be human beings that we love and enjoy. And we're not constantly frustrated that they're, they're not providing everything our hearts ever needed. Yeah. We're designed to need God. Yeah. So 
kind of putting pressure on you, how do you preach the gospel to yourself, your discontent heart, or how would you preach the gospel to somebody who's discontent? Mm-hmm. How do you connect it? Yeah. So the, I just backing up a little bit, like I would connect it with first, I want to show the weakness of the thing that I'm idolatrous of. And then I want to show how Christ and this is to myself. And then I want to show how Christ is better. And then I want to see how he's not only paid for my sin, but he's, he's promised to be my treasure. He's promised to always be there. You know, I love, um, in Hebrews 13, where it says, keep your heart free from the love of money or possessions, be content with what you have. And then the four, four, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Isn't that great? Yeah. So he puts on the, for contentment, he says, be content with what you have because God himself in Christ, because of all that Christ has done for us, we can hear the father say, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so if there's something that you don't have, if there's something that he's not provided and you don't think he's going to, he has not forsaken you. Romans 8 yeah. says, if he did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give us all things? You know, God is not stingy in where he's yeah. put you. He's not stingy in where he's put me. You know, if in the future, I were to lose everything. He hasn't forsaken me. And he's not being stingy. If he was going to be stingy, he would have done it with his son. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give you all things? Yeah, that's good. All right, so let me pray for us. Let's stop there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for always meeting our needs. Every single need we have ever had, you meet us with Christ, in Christ. And so I just ask, please satisfy our sinful hearts. Will you take our stony hearts and soften them? Sprinkle clean water on them and help us to trust you. Help us to have no other gods before you. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Street Level Theology. Have a great day, and I hope to see you next time.